Today on the show, I'm happy to have Kevin Kerr. He's the CTO of Chimera Innovation. They're a software biotech company. And you're just telling me how you ended up flunking out of college. How did that impact your journey and what happened from there? <laughs> yeah, I was never a very good student in high school or anything. It just wasn't motivated. I wasn't interested. And I went to college and after two semesters, I had about 12 credits total. I had a band. We used to play out on the quadrangle of college all the time. I was also executive chef at an Italian restaurant and I got home around 2 a.m. And then I had 8 a.m. classes and I'd always be there at 8 a.m. Cause I'm one of those guys, like I can't be late to anything, but I would rarely go to class. And so I ended up after two semesters. Okay. I ended up packing up. I was, I living in Wanto, Long Island on Jones Beach, beautiful place. And I ended up packing up and moving to El Paso, which was surreal. And from there to Dallas. And I took a job with Texas Instruments as a manufacturing engineer assistant, which of course I was not qualified. Let me just say, I was never qualified for any job that I got. I've only worked for two companies and I've probably had 16 jobs just because I'm a polymath, right? Like I, I master something and then I move on to something else, right? I could never imagine doing the same thing. So I was working this job as in the uh, defense industry for Texas Instruments and my boss, who I didn't think was particularly bright, I found out that he had a degree in forestry and he's working in the defense plant. So I'm like, okay, that's enough. And I went back to school and went back to school raising kids. But I, when I was in school, I took a course in accounting and it was really fascinating to me because accounting is at that time, anyhow, it was real problem solved. You had giant registers that you had to go make sure you had every penny allocated for. And it was a great problem solving thing for me. But unfortunately, when I went to do it, they moved me to accounting. And I, as I was doing it as a job, I was miserable at it. I, I hated it and they hated that I hated it. <laughs> and so I was not highly thought of in that organization. I started, I taught myself how to program C on IBM mainframe and then on PCs. And I started writing accounting software. I said, the way we do things here is just, it's just terrible. <laughs> and so I started writing accounting software. And I won an award for the company for this software that actually took a cost accounting process from three months to one month. And, but my boss really hated me because he wanted an accountant and I had spent way too much time writing code for accounting. And so he called me in one day and I thought he was going to fire me. I was pretty sure he was going to fire me. And he said, look, Kevin, I need a, I need an accountant. I don't need a computer science guy. And I'd already had a couple of conversations with some friends over in the, the programming area of the company, which was another building, another town. And so when he called me in, he, I thought he was going to fire me. And he said, look, I don't need a computer guy. I need an accountant. And I said, you're right. I'll see you later. <laughs> I immediately took the offer from the other group and, and went on. So as an accountant, I was a failure, but. That, that first time that I started writing or I taught myself how to write C and then eventually C++ code really was the basis for the rest of my career. So I had done that job and then I became pr primarily a programmer. I actually rewrote a bunch of Microsoft administration apps for SQL Server and things, but it, they just 
They looked exactly the same, except they functioned well. <laughs> and there was a Microsoft consultant in there who looked at that and said, okay. And I got a call from Microsoft to go work there. I did many jobs. Like I said, it's a polymath. So once I mastered something, I had to get out of it because I'd become bored. And each job that I got, I was never qualified for any of them. Now you can see, I'm not a salesman kind of guy that I can talk you into hiring me, but it was the fearlessness really of saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to fail at this, but I'm going to make sure that I don't let myself fail. So while they're interviewing me for these different positions, all the way up through senior director at Microsoft, I was never qualified and they were always dubious about it, but I had a reputation of failing and then taking the job and making, making it great, doing great work. So they had three or four things to work on, to look back on and say, this guy's full of baloney, but he seems to make it happen when it counts, <laughs> right? So being unqualified and being a failure in each of those positions ended up turning into my lifelong career. And yeah, and then since then, um, I left Microsoft and I formed Chimera Innovation. And we focused first on machine learning and we failed a lot, actually. I worked through a lot of algorithmic processes. Machine learning is all about algorithms, right? And you, I wrote algorithms and they just didn't work. And I changed them to another one. It just didn't work. And I was outsmarting myself. I was failing at doing what I needed to do. And I was trying to make it too difficult, right? I was writing giant algorithms for machine learning where we tracked barometric pressure waves on every GPS coordinate in the world, right? And we proved that barometric pressure waves cause pain in people with connective tissue disorders. That was our first project. Let's see if we can do this. And, and in the end, it kept failing. And then one day I just sat down and I simplified the whole thing to exactly one line of an algorithm and that solved everything. So the company almost went under at that point because I continued to fail at my process of trying to write appropriate algorithms for this machine learning environment, but I stayed with it. I simplified it and it became a very successful uh, project that we had, we had over a thousand people worldwide. We used all the data. Uh, we wrote a, a medical paper for the American college of rheumatology that proved once and for all that it wasn't ambient temperature, it wasn't uh, weather, it was, it was simply barometric pressure that caused, you know, you remember maybe your grandparents, oh, I feel the rain coming over here, you know what I mean? You got pain. It was never the rain, it was the barometric pressure changes. So once we proved that and got that published, then I moved on to the next part of our project, which is I'm, desi I'm designing a, a, autonomous AI simulator for bioinformatics that will run on quantum computers using qubit technology and the whole bit, but it will autonomously go through every DNA sequence or everything that's been sequenced, looking for improper protein expressions or improper gene expressions. Uh, it'll do this autonomously. It'll just continue to feed itself seven by 24 by 365 and then spit out where it's finding these expressions that are incorrect and where it ties into an existing disease. Then maybe a few years from now, CRISPR-15 will be 
something we can count on and go genetic editing with. This was another one where I started reading books on bioinformatics. And I, and I realized quickly that most of the people in bioinformatics had PhDs. And when I looked at, when I looked at what they were doing, so they had, a, they had a biology and a computer science background. I didn't get it. I mean, it seemed much easier to me than having to go, go get a PhD. So I started to look at bioinformatics and started to, to work on it myself, but I couldn't handle it. It was just, it was like slugging mud instead of paving road. As far as I was concerned, I took a step back and a step up and said, let's, why can't we make an AI, a bioinformatics AI simulator, which you can make AI simulators. And then after some initial testing, we need, we needed quantum computing, right? It wasn't going to run on any cloud server. So I failed at bioinformatics. I still have six books that I've read and I, I never really understood the job. So the job was to write little snippets of code. So the biologist comes to you in a dry lab. Okay. I need to look for this expression. They write a snippet of code. They leave next week. That code's no longer functional. Very 19, early 1990s kind of a thing. Like when the guy leaves with the code, then it doesn't work anymore. And they're still doing that today. And I, I never understood why they're stuck in this place. And so when I try to do it, I, I failed at it because my brain doesn't work that way. So. I took a step up and said, here's the goal, right? We're, we're trying to get to where we can identify gene expressions, protein expressions, et cetera, and, and look for ways to solve real world health problems. Going, we've gotten really good at the DNA sequencing, right? Illumina has the DNA sequencing machines. They work fantastic. They own 90% of the market. Reminds me a lot of Windows, just, just. Like if you're going to sequence DNA, you just get an aluminum machine, which is a company. But I couldn't do bioinformatics. It didn't make sense to me. So I definitely failed at that. But that failure is what led me to the next stage. Like how could I change this industry that seems stuck in the 1990s, right? So you have biologists and dry labs that don't have any computer science experience. Then you got a bio bioinformatician, that's what they call themselves, bioinformatician. And they have code understanding. Usually they can write a piece of code and, and biology understanding. So when the biologist says, hey, I need you to go look for this, they can, okay, write some code, throw it out there. But that's not sustainable in a, there are what, 23,000 dry labs in the US, I think, dry labs versus wet labs. And so. I said, this is, we have to be able to do better than this. So failing as a bioinformatician led me to saying, let's jump up to the next level and let's solve this problem the way if I was going to start over today, here was how I would do it. And so that failure led to really taking a step back and saying, this, this industry is stuck in a very perpetual loop of 1990s, the guy who wrote the code is gone. The code doesn't work anymore. Now we have to write some more code. And then when I add that to quantum computing, I did, did initial testing. So you can, AI simulators are very complicated, but they're also very rewarding, right? Because you can make a bioinformatician AI simulator that works like a bioinformatician that runs on quantum computing and they just goes through DNA sequence after DNA sequence, looking for all the things, outputting all the things that are anomalous and, and 
I hope it changes the way that we look at genetics, frankly. A lot of people have, a lot of people that are high up in that industry have said that, that I'm on the right track, that they agree with the fact that the, the industry seems stuck in a time warp. So anyhow, yeah. <laughs> a major jump from the accounting job, that's for sure. Yeah, that's the polymath, man. So in, in between that, uh, I, was a pro, I was a programmer at Texas Instruments and Microsoft hired me to be a SQL database expert because I was also a database expert. And then when I got my first day at the job, I said, okay, what are we doing? He goes, well, you're not doing database because we got a guy for that. We just wanted to hire you. I'm like, okay, that's great. So what am I doing? So then I got into infrastructure and from there I actually led Microsoft's mobile environment from the early Windows CE devices all the way through Windows Mobile. And I did Im embedded operating systems. We wrote code for all of Walmart's checkouts. This was back a ways, not today. And I just, whatever I did, I tried to, to master it and there was failures in there, right? If you're a polymath and if you're if this is the way your brain works, this is what I do. I must master this. It's not always a straight line, right? Sometimes you're unqualified. You start off and you make a bunch of mistakes. And then you look back at those mistakes and you find ways to solve them. And then you become proficient. Once you become proficient, you can become expert. Once you become expert, you go get another job and start over. That was me. It continues to be me to this day, frankly. But yeah, that's... That, if failure is such a part of succeeding that if you never experience failure or you never jump the shark and say, I'm going to apply for a job that I'm completely unqualified to do, you know, those things are so rewarding and they make work life such an interesting thing that you love to be there every day. Cause every day you're either going to fail at something and learn something new, or you're going to master something and then think about what you want to do next. And I went through all those stages and I, 13, 15 jobs, I haven't counted them up, but between two companies, that's how many jobs I had that I felt like I mastered and moved on. And then my last job there was working at Steve Ballmer, who was our CEO, says, Kevin, listen, we just acquired all these advertising companies. We, there's some agencies, advertising companies, whatever, Microsoft advertising. And basically they were losing money hand over fist. So Ballmer says to me, Kevin, I want you to go work for that group. And I want you to try to bring in Microsoft products. So we're doing digital marketing. We're doing things on the PC that are engaging. Let's use some of Microsoft technology. Unfortunately, nobody in that group wanted anything to do with that. So it was a complete failure for me. I had to go back to Steve and say, listen, they're not interested. They're not taking me on their meetings. They're not doing anything like that. And, and I, th I think it was like six months later, we sold them all off. <laughs> just, they failed. They, they failed at being a part of a, a great company because they were so locked in on what they thought their prime job was, which it, it, it was, but it was also, you now work for Microsoft and Microsoft makes money in other ways rather than just taking people to the Super Bowl and getting million dollar advertising contracts. It's a different, it's a different game. I failed and they failed. And, as a result of that, they're no longer part of Microsoft. It was a rough time. I never got over that one because I did it because I, I felt like I did everything else at Microsoft. I have done everything else. I lectured at MIT. I worked with Microsoft Research. I sold every product we ever made. 
I helped design multiple products. I felt like I did everything that I could do. And I was, as a polymath, I was like, I don't know what else is there. What else is there? Can I go back to doing the same thing that I've done before? So at the end of the advertising gig, I was like, I think it's time, right? I've been there 15 years at that point, And average lifespan for Microsoft employees is about five. So I just thought I have nowhere to go but backwards. And, and so when we sold the advertising group, I moved on to. So failure brought in rebirth. So if any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you about your current venture and Chimera, how could they do so? Yeah, the, the email is chimerainnovation at protonmail.com. So I used to have the whole office suite, the uh, Google office suite and the emails and all the stuff, and we just weren't using it. We were still emailing each other on other systems. And I'm like, okay, let's just cheapen this up right now because we're in design mode. We're not in a actively in selling mode, but Chimera Innovation at protonmail.com will get me. I'd be happy to answer any questions or talk to anybody. And yeah, we have Chimera Innovation uh, com is our website. There's a, a little bit of information on what I'm doing with AI because I'm still in the patent process. So it's, we've got a whole lot of information on this stuff. And then there's like a little information we're doing this <laughs> because I'm not, I don't want to, I want to get through this patent process before I open up the doors. Thank you, Kevin, for coming on the show and everybody for listening to another episode of failing to success. If you like the show, make sure to give us a five-star review. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time.